just want to use your love tonight. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. All right, this week we are hearing from the lead singer of what I consider to be one of the greatest power pop bands in history. It is Tony Lewis, frontman for The Outfield. Now, I guess you could argue whether The Outfield are truly power pop. That's what I think of them as. There's elements of everything, though, in their music. There's a little bit of, there's some new wave. There's some prog elements in there. There's some straight up rock uh, they had half a dozen or so hits in the late 80s into the early 90s. This one right here, you probably, I mean, everyone knows this song, Your Love, reached number six in 1986, such a staple even to this day. Almost all of their songs were primarily written by guitarist John Spinks. I think John is one of the most consistently excellent songwriters ever. That word consistent is going to come up a lot in here. Hang on to that. Now, about four years ago, John died of liver cancer. And it's been really hard for Tony after that, trying to figure out what to do, to be on his own. It feel, he, he expresses this in here. It's gonna feel strange for him to be out there as a solo artist without his best friend and buddy playing music with him. But he's doing it. And he's, gonna, he's about to put out his first ever solo album this Friday, the 29th, my birthday. Uh, the first ever Tony Lewis solo album called Out of the Darkness. And there's the first single off that album called Into the Light, of course it is, that's out there now. Guys, he has one of the most unmistakable, excellent voices ever, and it has lost nothing after 35 years or whatever it is. It is just as bright and powerful and positive as it's always been. So I hope you will check it out. If you're a fan of the outfield, so let, I mean, let's talk about this. They sort of slowed way down around the mid-90s, but they've actually put out a couple albums in the last 12 years that are equally, if not as good, as their first couple albums. And I don't think enough people know about that. So if you lost track of the outfield after their heyday, I'm here to tell you that everything they have ever put out there is worth your attention. In 2006, they put out an album called Anytime Now, which is great. And in 2011, they put out an album which is even better called Replay. It is excellent. We talk all about those in here. So I hope that this will rekindle a love or an appreciation for the outfield and that you will check out Tony's solo album. It's all so good. He called me from his home in London. Well, for starters, I got I to tell you a little anecdote. So I'm in Denver, Colorado, and our baseball team here is the Colorado Rockies. And one of our very best players is a guy named Charlie Blackman. And he has walk-up music. They all do. I don't know if you know what that is, but every time a batter goes up to bat, they, he has a song that gets played every single time, and his song is Your Love. And whenever it gets to the tonight part, the song drops out, and the entire stadium full of people sing tonight, you know? It's, uh, it's, and it happens, you know, four or five times a game. It's just, and it makes me so happy that one of my favorite bands gets to endure in that way even today. And But that may... I mean, your ties to baseball, maybe something like that. Have you heard of something like that happening before? Well, I know, I know that the, the song gets played in the American football stadiums as well, and the, yeah, and it's, it's yeah, 
it's it's bizarre when you think that that song was designed. With it, um, it was written in 20 minutes. No. <laughs> John, John so basically shouted down the corridor to me. Joseph is on the vacation file, and I wrote it down on a sheet of paper. And I've still got that original sheet sheet of paper with the bio lyrics. Uh huh. And it was yeah, it was literally done in 20 minutes. And uh, and who, who knows who who thought uh, 30 yeah. years later it's getting played. Here we in, are. Oh my god. Major stadiums and yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I want you to know that it's enduring to this day, and it always makes my heart smile whenever I hear it because I love you guys. So obviously, let's Thank start you, with some of the. You know some of the sadder side of all of this. I'm curious for you, this being your first solo album, which is great, by the way. I got to hear it. Was it hard to begin again after the loss of John? As I mentioned, I had been trying to kind of interview you for the last three years, and every time I would reach out, I was told, you know, he's taking a break. It's not a good time. We're really shutting it down. You know, since John's gone, it's not the same. We're really not doing that anymore. And then suddenly this, uh, you know, this great new solo album pops up. What did you have to kind of go through emotionally and mentally to get to that place? Well, obviously it's coming up to July. It's the fourth year of his passing. And I took a, a, a hiatus, really. Basically, wanted to start, I mean, my wife said to me, why don't you start recording again? Do what you do best. And I said, well, up until that point, I hadn't even wanted to pick a guitar up, let alone yeah. sing or anything. I just... I just I, I just I just couldn't do anything. I just I was like knock for six really. I, yeah. So I I started going in, in my home studio and I, I started putting um, backing tracks together. But I was struggling with the with the lyrics and stuff. So and it sort of just did it gradually. I did one backing track for that sounds good and another one and and then I wanted to keep it the first three songs I wanted especially wanting to keep it in the spirit of the outfield. But then to to show the people after that that this is my spin on it because a lot of people that know me as the, the singer and the bass player of the outfield. I just wanted people to know that I'm standing in, in, yeah. standing in the spotlight now as, as me rather than just, you know, the singer and the, and the bass player for the outfield. I want right. to show them that, you know, I produced it and recorded it, guitars and with the help of Carol's lyrics and stuff, it, it all sort of evolved from there. And the first three or four backing tracks the words seemed to fit it fit really, really well, and it was um, good. Yeah, it took a, it took a, a, a period of time, but after I got like, nearly halfway through the album, uh, uh, Randy um, Sad from the Protocol Entertainment, um, he um, emailed me and said, "I'm going to be coming over to London. Do you want to meet up for a drink?" And I said, "Well, mm. you might as well just go and see him, see what he wants to, you know, what's he? Maybe you might want to." Put this out or the single sure. or something. I don't know. And I played, I played him some stuff, and he he really liked it. And he had he had a, a connection with um, Tanner Records, uh, mm. with uh, Madison Records, with, with Tanner Hendon, and Tanner is, is a drummer as well. And I I played a lot of the drums on the album uh, sequence them. And um, I said, would you would you mind? He was very interested. He signed signed us, and he was also um, he wanted a. a I said, could you play a few drum tracks on there? And he said, yeah. Sure. So there's five five drum tracks that, that, that Tanner plays on on the album. Wow, nice. So uh, yeah, and it's so uh, you know how, how lucky I was, was I, you know, getting an indie label with a guy that owned the, the label with a drummer. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm into I'm into drums and guitars and as well as bass, but and that's yeah. how it just it just it's just how it evolved. It just grew and grew and grew and. 
just really, really enjoyed it. And you're still recording now, you know, and it's the yeah. stuff that uh, I could put on the second album now, you know. And it's, That's great. Just love, just love writing and recording. I just want to... Yeah. It's going to be a it's going to be a bit of sweet experience getting on stage with that one. At the same time, I'm really really excited, and I just want to, you know, get out there and let the fans like thanks for supporting us, and sure. hopefully, you know, get some get some new fans. Yeah, was uh, I don't know what your relationship is with Alan Jackman, the original drummer for the Outfield. Was it never? Is it not an option to have him come play along on your solo album, or is that too much like a? Like an outfield thing and not enough of a Tony Lewis thing. Well, you just said it. I did. I, I mean, I, I told. I, yeah, I told him I'd got a, a deal and he was really pleased for me. And I said I just want to, you know, he knew I'd, I'd like drummed anyway on the program and stuff. And he, you know, I got, you know, he was he was he was fine with it because after John's passing, I, you know, I said it that the outfield doesn't exist anymore. If John's not around. I, I, that's why I call myself Tony from the outfield. I don't want to. Yeah. Go out as the outfield, and if, I, if I'd used Alan, that that would be the outfield. So I just drew the line there. I just wanted to just do this on my own. You're talking about you know kind of tinkering around with laying down some tracks and overdubs and all that kind of stuff. You know, you're you weren't the primary songwriter in the outfield. John was. I mean, he's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. But has tinkering around like that? You're obviously a very skilled musician. But have you always, throughout the years, been sort of tinkering and putting down songs and ideas as you go? And if you did, what was the intention? Would you, did you ever think you would put out a solo album, or were they just there for your own enjoyment? To be honest with you, I mean, John was the prime prime songwriter, and I, I, I used to co-write a couple of songs, but I, 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 I never used to like my songs. I was very critical of my own songs, but and I... Oh really? And I always used to come in. For, I, I used to come in from a different angle with my approach to songs. To John, John was very structured and major calls, and I'd be more minor calls and a bit darker and a bit more ah. come from a different angle. And we we picked up, you know, production skills along the way. We after we left MCA, we we produced we produced albums together, and we learned, you know, the tricks with the trade and. I had studios and then just yeah, just made made albums just for primarily for our own enjoyment, not for the for the fact that we felt as though we had to keep making albums. We just liked making music together. Yeah. And the last the last album we did, Replay, John played bass and I played guitar and Really? Even through voices yeah, even through voices of Babylon, the the guitar yeah. stuff and the you know, the Django and stuff the, we we coached each other through that. John played guitar and We'd say no, don't don't do that solo. Do this solo. It was very we were we were very much we were very very hands partnership. Yeah, I love replay so much and Voices of Babylon. I'm going to save those for a little bit later because they mean a lot to me and I want to ask you specifically about some of those things. But I was in listening to the new album, which is called Out of the Darkness for anyone who doesn't know, and the new single is Into the Light, which is a perfect Justin juxtaposition.
I was listening back, and they're really, there's not that big of a noted difference between a Tony Lewis solo album and an outfield album. In fact, the one, maybe the one thing that I missed the most was hearing John's voice on some harmonies on the on the, some of the tracks. It wasn't the quality yeah. of the songwriting, which, again, going back, he's one of the greatest songwriters ever, but it was a testament, I thought, to you and your own abilities that there wasn't a big marked uh, difference there. The difference to me was not hearing John's voice in some of those songs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. he had a, that very, very much like that John Lennon buzzsaw type of voice. You know, he... he the, the the highest he could sing would be the the lowest I could I could yeah. sing. You know, we, we had such different we had such different scales. That's yeah. how we come up with some you know then weird harmonies. That's how they work. Cause he's he's quite especially in a, there's a song called Closer to Me. Um, mm-hmm. with, I don't know if you remember someone on Rock High. And then that that sounds that sounds like it's, it's thirty voices and sunny sunny eight tracks. Uh, he, 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 his voice had only had a hard edge to it, but it sounded like there was four tracks coming out of, out of it. You know, and, it, and yeah. his voice and my voice really, really worked. But yeah, I mean, I, the first three songs I wanted it to be like the spirit of Outfield, but after that, I just wanted it to be on my own spin. Good. On you know, stepping into you know, into the spotlight and saying, look, I'm not the singer or the bass player of the Outfield anymore. This is this is me now. But, yeah. This is what I can do, and uh, I hope you yeah. like it. Uh, you collaborated with your wife on this. Have you always collaborated? Did she, did she write all the lyrics? How did you know that you could, e- you guys could even do this? I don't, I don't know. She, she says to me, she says to me every day, she says, I don't know how um, this album came together. I really don't. I really don't. <laughs> I, what, what, what I did was I did backing tracks, and I started off doing a couple of songs. And uh, I was just trying to get a publishing deal, get something, just get be a bit useful in the industry. You know, and I, I was writing songs that I want to go out for. A, I'm going looking for a fight, or she's. I said to her, she said you, you should, you know, after she said that you should start recording. Her, I said I'm struggling with the lyrics here. I, I never was, you know, John could fall out of bed writing lyrics, and, and yeah. Carol's very good at writing a, writing a story. 
and she had she had these songs, and I said, let's just try these songs. I, put, I arranged them pretty much how we do an outfield song, and with the choruses and middle eights and melody. First and foremost is that if you want to get back on radio, you've got to leap out the speakers in the first five seconds, and then yeah, away. Yeah, I sort of learned the tricks to train, and her lyrics just seem to fit the backing track. Some, sometimes we'd start off with a computer, and I'd play the acoustic, and we'd, we'd do a song from scratch from from her her words, and it all just seemed to you know develop. There's very there was very few songs that we we threw away. It just happened, and it was very it wasn't stressful at all. And it oh. was um, someone described that the, the album as being the, the spirit of Play D, but the songwriting of Diamond Days, which yeah. is interesting. Oh, um, right. Yeah, and I, 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 and I like putting a, a positive spin on dark songs. Yeah. I always like sort of dark songs, but putting a, an interesting spin on. Well, and your voice lends itself to that. I mean, your voice hasn't lost anything over 30-plus years. But the thing that I think is pretty consistent is it's always this very bright, hopeful voice, you know? It's an optimistic yeah. voice. And so applying that yeah. to even dark subject matter it puts a positive spin. You're right. I've never thought of that before. So if your wife is writing this, I mean, do you guys sit back and write music? Have you always done that? I don't know how long you've been married, but is this a new thing between the two of you, or have you always done we, this? No, we hadn't. We hadn't. I, Weird. She, she encouraged me. Cause, I mean, because after John's passing, I just, I just wasn't interested in music. Oh, hey, you know, I didn't want to listen to the radio, and after you know, a couple of years passing, I went back in the studio and I always, always used to in the past, I've, I've always written and had ideas, even back as far as 87, where I've called the studio and, you know, what do you think of this, John? What do you think of that? Yeah, it's good, but it's not really outfield, you know, I can't, can't yeah. really use that. And I was, I was always been writing and stuff, but her storytelling, I think, was just so interesting and with my backing track, it just, I don't know, I really don't know. The more I try and analyse it, the more I get confused because it, it, it does. It just seems to just seem to work. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Okay. So what's the plan? I think. Did I hear? Are you playing like? Um, did you do '80s in the sand, or are you doing some '80s like nostalgia rewind type tours, or what? What's the plan to get this out there? What I'm doing is I'm doing a retro Futura tour. That's going to start in July. Uh, in Chestane Park, and it's about 16 dates, I think, 16 gigs, uh, going right up to, I think, August the 4th or 5th, I can't remember now, I okay. think it ends, ends in Michigan, and um, anything else that happens after that, I'm just taking one day at a time, really, I mean, yeah. people get asking me, what, are you going to do a, a solo tour, are you going to do a club tour, what you do after this tour, so I'm just taking it one day at a time, because I haven't, I haven't been on, I haven't done a tour in 14 years. Yeah, you know, yeah. getting getting on that getting on that stage for that first show is going to be pretty mind blowing for me because for over forty years I've been playing with John. Yeah, and to look over and not not see him there is going to be yeah bittersweet for me. But I'm but I'm excited. I'm excited to get to, to get back there again and see the fans and tell them thanks for supporting me and hopefully yeah. uh, make some new ones. You know. Good. Now I've been to some retro Futura tours and some of them are great, but sometimes the like I think I saw Paul Young last year, and I think he sang three songs. You know, is that what you're? Are you gonna? Is that about all you're gonna be able to do? Because if you do, I'm sure they're gonna be well, outfield hits. Are you gonna be able to sprinkle some new stuff in there? 
Yeah, well, I'm, I'm basically at the mercy of the promoter. You know, if yeah. the guy runs it, you know, if I've got to do four songs and get off, then I'll, I'll just do that. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'm going to be there primarily to sing outfield stuff and then it'd be nice to get one of my new ones in. But, I'm, you know, I, I, as I keep saying to people that interview me, I, when I go and see Sting, I... I want, when I go and sing, I, I want to hear him sing "Message in a Bottle" and every sure. he take. You know, I like sure. hearing, I like hearing the fleet stuff. So, sure. I, my 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 approach to your love and all love in the world is that I, I still get a buzz out of singing those songs live. I don't want to miss the concept of it all because it's retro futuro. So it's not about right. my, my it's not about my solo career. It's about people wanting to hear outfield songs. So yeah, yeah. But if I get if I got get an opportunity to do one of my own, then great. But I don't want to I don't want to shove it down their throat. <laughs> sure, understood. Well, that's great. I hope so. I've never seen you or the outfield live, and uh, I've always wanted to. So hopefully one of these days I can I can make it one of, to one of these shows. Now, yeah. I want to go back to the beginning, if you don't mind, a little bit anyway, because something that we talk about on this podcast a lot are the transition that goes, transitions that go on in people's careers. When they, now you guys, you uh, in particular, have been a musician for several years before Play Deep finally kind of takes hold in 1986 and he goes on to sell three million copies. What was, the, but up to that point, you had been sort of a struggling musician like thousands of other people, you know? And suddenly you cash in your ticket. What was the most exciting part about the change in your life from the guy who's struggling to the guy who's on the charts? Well, the thing is, I mean, a lot of people think that it was like an overnight success when we our first tour in America. We, we was uh, we was on it was a it was a budget tour. I mean, we had no money. I mean, we had a fifteen seater minibus, and um, we were like just. Asking it, you know, we're going to play playing with the Hooters in Philadelphia, and uh, "Stars and So" was the first uh, single release from Play Deep. Two. 
did, it did well for us in, in territories, but it didn't. It wasn't like you know a major success nationally. Yeah. But when we went home in '85, Christmas time for for a couple of weeks before we were asked to go back out on tour again uh, with the Hooers, I think with uh-huh. Starship. But yeah, your love was released on AOR radio just to keep us in, just to keep uh, us on the radio and keep us in people's minds. Yeah. But from that that January to February, March, the the, the song had a life of its own and it grew yeah. and grew and grew. So that period alone was quite exciting. You know, that sort of six month period. It, so it didn't really happen overnight. It, it was a, a gradual sure. success. But you personally suddenly went from, I mean, I'm guessing you suddenly could afford to go buy a nice car or maybe buy a house or go on a nice vacation or, you know, some, some, your life had to change somehow. And it, it, you're right. It's not, it's not that it's overnight. It's just that suddenly your dreams come true. You know, no musician starts out wanting to stay obscure. They want to be heard and connect. And you finally are having that experience. What was that like for you? Well, if, if, the, the thing is, though, what a lot of people don't understand is that you, the years 85 and 86, well, we didn't have any money. We uh. didn't. I mean, you, <laughs> we, 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 when, you, when you get a gold record, and a lot of people don't understand it, when you get a gold record, you sell, oh, you sold a million records. You don't get them royalties for at least a year to 18 months' time. Uh. And then the record company break it down, they get their share. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. and you're trying to fund the tour and you're on the label, then that that tour gets funded. It really start getting financially being successful till till the late late eighties, oh, early nineties. Okay. Really, okay. to be honest with you, yeah. So that makes sense. It's like you know when you see on the TV now on this is uh, X Factor, you know, oh you got yeah. a million pound deal and you you're gonna have a house and you know, it's, it's all instant but it wasn't it wasn't like that then it was you know a lot, a lot of bands will tell you that as well from the 80s and the 70s yeah. so, you know and they have, they have problems with their management and they you know it's you know it's it's, it's a long story but it does yeah. you know it, it, it did it, we sense. weren't we weren't driven by money we weren't driven by money we were just driven sure. by our music and just the, the bars of just you know going from like 30 people in a in a bar in Chicago and then coming back yeah. and playing Chicago Cup Stadium. Yeah. That for me was 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 thrilling. Not not the fact that you could buy a nice house or buy a nice sure. car. It was it was the it was the, the thrill of you know Good. being in a successful band. You know with your, yeah. with your best mates. Good. That's what I wanted to know. Perfect answer. I love it. Now, oh, let me going back one quick question though. With John writing pretty much all of the songs. I don't know, it, was there ever any conflict around, I don't know, you know, is he getting more credit? Do you, I mean, you're clearly the voice. No one could sing those songs better than you. But I imagine you guys had an arrangement that you were comfortable with that allowed you to be this uh, prosperous partnership for 25 years, basically. Yeah, I think we just had a formula that worked, really. I mean, he. He had this sort of gift of just being able to, you know, get come up with hooks and choruses, yeah. and I, I would always struggle with, like, you know, it, for me to, to write a song, it would it always take me a long time. But if I did have a, a song, I'd be very critical of it myself, and 
sometimes you know we I'd get a co-write credit and stuff like that, but we just didn't want to fix what wasn't broke really. Yeah. But, yeah. but this but this period, it's all about you know me I'm sort of just I wanted to just get put my point across to the fans that I'm what not just the bass player and singer from the outfield. You know, yeah. my involvement with John was we produced and as I said before we you know we played with John played bass on re- replay album. I played guitars and you know we swapped instruments. There was no egos. It was just yeah. a, just just a team effort really. Yeah. yeah Good. Okay. So let's talk about banging. Because Bangin' comes out, and since you've been gone, such a great tune. It doesn't reach quite the same heights, but you're still on the charts. You're still moving things along. Since you've been gone, there's something I want to say. Since you've been gone, there's no one taking your place. Since you've been gone. Just been fooling around since you've been gone. This world's been turned upside down. Didn't think I'd find a girl that I'd forget. Anything we started not so long ago ain't over The album's not quite as successful as the first one. How do you guys, but the quality is still there. How do you guys feel? Are you noticing this or are you still sort of like, this is a great ride. I, I'm just happy to be a professional musician who's on the radio. To be honest, any any young band starting out now and if they get a gold record would think that it's their, their dream, their no, prayers okay. answers. You know, yeah. and, we, and we, we just kept, we just kept, it, we've always kept our feet on the floor, you know, and it's, you know, you remember that the, there was a thing called the sophomore jinx that every yeah. every uh, band suffers with it. You know, Death Left yeah. Girl or you know any, any band that you know they've got to feel like they're under pressure to keep bringing out another hysteria album or another you know. Yeah. Or you know, we 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 went from a pop album. Okay, let's let's do a do a rockier album. You know, yeah. if it doesn't do as well. You know, it, even to have to have a gold record, it's 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 still a major feat. So we were totally. we were very more than more than pleased. Good, good. Um, now, Voices of Babylon is one of my very favorite albums of the '80s.
I love it. I love its depth and how tuneful it is. But it's a different, stylistically, it's a little bit of a departure, you know? You're kind of, the, the sound is getting richer. It's not some straightforward kind of jangly power pop necessarily. There's depths and layers going on there. Was that a conscious decision? Were you guys sort of thinking, I don't know if your own tastes were maturing or if you were thinking, you know, let's change it up a little bit. Let's do something different. Well, a lot of it was um, a little company were leaning on us to do something a bit different, a bit more um, maybe sophisticated, a bit more poppy. Because mm. if you bring out another rock album or another play deep, people are going to sort of think, well, is that it, these are a one-trick pony. So yeah, had, that, that had to, we had to do something a bit more slicker. That's yeah. where David Kahn came in. You know, he'd uh, mm-hmm. had a good pedigree. He'd been working with the Bengals. Yep. And we would um, we, we were getting familiar with working with Deacon's drums and programming, and that's a very conscious of trying not to make it sound like uh, dated as well. Right. To keep it, keep it, keep it, to keep our spirit in there. Yeah. I think the album, I think that the, the first sort of four or five songs on the album were, were I mean, I'm, I'm very, very proud of it. So uh, yeah. yeah, it was basically CBS which are now Sony, they were saying that, you, you know, it'd be nice if you did us something that was a bit more grown-up, a bit more, um, you know, sophisticated. And that's, that's, our, that's our voice in Babylon happens. Good. I love that album so much. You mentioned the first five songs, Part of Your Life, is one of my very favorite outfield tracks. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, sure is. So when the, you know, and then, of course, Diamond Days and Rock Eye, but around, you know, the things, tastes are changing, styles are changing, the outfield aren't really as popular as they used to be. Most, you know, most bands from your era that were popular are starting to lose steam around the early to mid-90s. I think you guys took a little bit of a sabbatical. When you do that, what do you do? When you decide... Oh, let's step away from music for a while. Do you go get a regular job? Do you continue to write? Do you? What do you do to fill your time? There's a misconception of like when bands don't have a an album that's successful. They, they, 
nine, nine times out of ten, the companies are not buying it or people are not really, really that impressed with it. But they still keep making music because they love doing it. That's one thing we've not stopped loving. We've not stopped loving making music. Uh, that's how this album, my album, came about because if you don't love what you're doing and you, you, you write something because you think that's what people want to hear, it, you're, you're fooling yourself, really. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's what we did. I mean, after uh, we left MCA, we just, you know, we'd go to each other's houses and record, and, and thank God the internet came in and we was able to, John was able to send me backing tracks and I'd sing, and that's our replay come about. And then uh, we asked Alan if he'd come, like to play drums on it. And it was always just, uh, we was always sort of collaborating and doing stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just our favorite hobby. We'd never stop yeah. doing it. That makes sense. You know, I've talked to a couple hundred people for this and a lot of them have said something similar that you just love the process of making music is so enjoyable. You're not really doing it, you know, for worldwide acclaim at, at some point. It's what you would do whether you were famous or not famous because you just love it so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there was, I remember even Elton John had quoted something like, I, when he made an album, he said, I don't care if it's successful or not, it's just not, I, I like doing it. If it is yeah. successful, it's a, it's the cherry on the cake, you know, and that's, yeah. it, that's how I feel. I don't feel like it's like in the old days, it's like, oh, we've got, we've got to write another ballad or we've got to write another rock song, and it's like, you know, if you're putting yourself under pressure, and you, in a way, you, you don't really enjoy it because you're just trying to, crash it out because the rental company wanted to do it in a certain time or certain way but if you if you've got a blank canvas and you can just record and just write from the heart and hope that people like it that's it that's what i think yeah. music's all about it really yeah. is i agree um another one <laughs> i know i keep saying these things but i think any time now is a masterpiece of a record and it's the one that i think most people probably don't know about didn't come out yeah. with a lot of fanfare. I don't think I discovered it until a couple years after the fact. And it is so good. So when you guys, I mean, what goes into you deciding? It's been, I don't know, 15 years maybe since your last album by the time Anytime Now comes out. When you're in those 15 years, are you just sort of, are you slowly collecting songs that you feel strong enough about that eventually we're going to make another album? Are they the ones that kind of, right to the top what makes you decide after all that time 
now's the time to make an album, and these are the songs. For us, because we, if, if, you know, being, being in that big machine, you know, with, with, uh, with Sony and MCA and then big labels, it, you're so used to that, getting that big attention, and then all of a sudden the music industry changes, and yeah. you have to sort of aim your sights a bit lower. We're making CDs, pressing CDs up ourselves, and that. And in the end, we were just, to be honest, we were just pleasing ourselves. Yeah. Because uh, the industry had, industry had changed so much that it was now going over, and it stopped about five or six years ago. It was like, we can get you a licensing deal. And I, I don't, I don't know what that means. You know, I just, I just, yeah. we just make music and get it put on a CD and sell it in stores or, you know, now it's yeah. like it's streamed. Yeah. You know, that, that's the whole, the whole thing of it. It was just trying to get your heads around the, the trying to, you know, get our album out there, you know, yeah. the industry had, had changed and we, we just, we just ended up yeah, we just writing for ourselves. Yeah. It's just our favorite hobby. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Those songs on there are so strong. You talk about, it's interesting, you were just talking about selling physical CDs. Like, that's sort of what you know. I have had the hardest time finding a physical CD of replay. Talk about albums that are so good that it just sort of trickled out there secretively. Like, if I go on Amazon, all that's available are digital copies, which I have, but I like the physical CD of it. Um, what's the easiest way to get a copy of that? To be honest with you, we, we just we, we re, um, released that through, through TuneCore. Uh-huh. We knew that the, the industry was, was changing, so we weren't, you know, we, we designed, designed the fact that, okay, so it's not going to be physical CDs now, it's going... Digital, even uh-huh. ACDC, they were adamant, no, we're, gonna, we're making CDs, and even they threw their hands up and go, you know what, you know, it's, 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 it's going to have to be iTunes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll have to, you either go with it, or then you fall by the wayside, you know. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I won't be able to even, get even, one. I, even, even, even iTunes now is, is that you won't even get a physical download. It's just going to be yeah. all totally streaming. Yeah. Which is the way it's going to go, you know. You either just go with it, or I think, well. But then again, you you, you got uh, um, albums that are coming out on vinyl now, so that's like yeah. one extreme to the other. I know. <laughs> and I, I can't get I can't get my head around get my head around the fact that okay, so your music's going to have to be streamed. As long as it gets heard and played on radio and gets the people yeah. can can buy it or whatever or get it on Spotify, I don't care. But but then it, it's, they're, they're bringing out vinyls, but. For me, the vinyls are good because you, I suppose you can appreciate the artwork, the, the album covers and stuff, and right. you know you feel that you got something physical in your hand, you know. Yeah, well, that's how I feel, but I feel that way about CDs, not about records, not about vinyl. You know, I still yeah. collect and yeah. like to have the physical copies of CDs, which I do in your case, except for replay, because it's hard to find. So uh, probably because there isn't one, it sounds like. So anyway, okay, well that explains that. Um, now, I'm curious. Uh, as I mentioned, we like to play little snippets of songs from the guests that we have on here. It, what? Tell me a song in the Outfield catalog. It could be any song on any album. Tell me a song that you are particularly sort of proud of. Maybe, uh, as we mentioned, I know that you've only, you co-wrote, I believe, Taken by Surprise, and Stranger in My Town. Three small kids stealing money from a poor man, now that he rides. 
Those might be the only, those are the only two I could find co-writing credits. But is there a song that you feel like I've always really liked that this song, and I don't think enough people know about it or appreciate it the way that I do, or you know, what is that song? It's like trying to pick your favorite child, isn't it? <laughs> well, favorite is different. No. Now I, I hear you on that. No one likes to answer that, but that's why I kind of try to rephrase it. If there's a moment that you're particularly proud of. Like, I really nailed the vocal on this one song. Um, is is there something more like that? There's not really. I mean, I, I, I love all the Outfield songs. I mean, I'm proud of all of them, but that's not... I wouldn't say there was one particular song I was proud of more than, than others. Mm. Um, okay. I mean, when we when we um, had a studio in, up in the north, uh, we had we had studio time when we did um, Diamond Days and, and Rock High. Uh, we did a song called uh, Win It, you know, that's sort of winning it all. in the vocal booth and John said you've really got to nail this song because you know otherwise we're just going to have to scrap it because it sounds like you're just going through the motions and we had this big fight and really? uh, so I'm going out it's, I'm going out for an hour and I'll come back and, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a look at it and I was like I'm, I was determined so determined that I was going to nail this song yeah you know it goes in I'm closing up I'm closing you know, and he, yeah and I, and I nailed it and I I nailed that song while he wasn't there. I came back and he went, oh, my God, that is amazing. Thank you so much. There you and, go. And, yeah, I remember that, that day so 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 well. And, uh, 
yeah, and there's views on Larry Bird's video and yeah, it's great, and it's a, oh, yeah, it's a great I, song. And then we we use the spirit of Jump from Van Halen for the backing track. You know, <laughs> let, let's let's do a let's do a song that reminds you of Jump or you know do that back. That's track, great. How the drums, how the drum, how the drums work, and how the bass works. And, yeah. And it was it was um it was mixed by Nigel Green who um who was a, a Def Leppard's uh, engineer. Okay. On the Hysteria album. Whoa. And uh, he's he's got and he's got a really good pair of ears and uh, yeah he made the bass sound amazing. And, uh, yeah, that that was I'd say, I'd say that was probably one of my proudest days uh, doing Good. an outfield song. Good, that's exactly the kind of story I wanted to hear. You know, it's interesting you mentioning referencing other bands that were, you know, you kind of steal not I don't know if steal is the right word, but whatever. You're sort of borrowing little bits that you like in other songs. I was re I was listening to Replay last night again for the um, I listened to it a lot, but to get ready to talk to you, it occurred to me that 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 album to me almost sounds a lot like Yes's 9021, 90125 album. I'm a very big fan of John Anderson. Yes, um, I like his voice. I mean, when you think like in in rock and pop, there's very few voices that are that are out there that you yeah. know that are still going. You know, even Robert Plant. You know, he, he can't he can't hit those notes he did in, in the Zeppelin yeah. days. You know, yeah. And uh, I'm a big fan of big fan of Rush as well. I like their yeah the, the rhythm section and Neil and uh, Neil Peart and, and Geddy Lee is probably the, for me they're probably the best in rhythm section around. You know. Yep. So. Yep. All them influences, I think, and Beatles and and Journey, Boston, Kinks, Thin Lizzy, yeah. you know, all them, mix them all up, and then you know that's, that's why we're so lucky to grow up in that in that time yeah. period, you know, to be influenced by them bands. But it wasn't a conscious effort; it's just what happens. It just just organically happened, I suppose. That's great. Well, good. Okay, so I just have a couple more questions for you. Um, I I close these out with two of the same questions for most of the people. I'm curious if you have any regrets. If you look back over your career and 
think, oh, I made this one choice this one time, and I kind of wish that I hadn't done that. Uh, nothing personal, just anything that, you know, if there's something that sort of beats at you a little bit. But then I also want to know what your very favorite memory is. When you're sitting back, like, we've, you know, we just sort of rehashed your whole career here. When you sit back and you think, that was so great. I loved when X happened. What is that thing? Oh, you got me now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, yeah. I suppose the most memorable um, moment was, I suppose, say, we'd never been to Trinidad before, and we and the Port of Spain in uh, the Port of Spain in Trinidad, which is a big cricket ground. Mm. There was like forty-five thousand people there, uh-huh. and that was probably the, the biggest crowd we've ever played to. And it was with, with Air Supply and Survivor. Nice. And uh, it rained that day, and they they had to recover the whole the whole cricket ground the next day, the, 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 where the grass was totally ruined. You know, and also oh, remember wow. all the steam steam coming off their bodies. You know, and yeah. as far as you can see, it was like that was pretty amazing. Nice, that is great. I love that. But this this new chapter, I'm, I'm quite excited. I'm very Good. excited. Uh, it's going to be a whole new yeah whole new thing for me. Um, yeah. I think even Liam Gallagher was getting a bit scared. You know, he wasn't. He didn't have his brother with him. You know, his solo career thing is a bit, found a bit, a bit formidable. You know. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just take, just taking it, just keeping my feet on the ground. Good. And take it one day, one day at a time. Good. Well, you still have the voice. Sounds amazing. You still have the songs. They're just as good. I mean, there's no reason why a Tony Lewis solo project can't be out there and touch the same fans who have been loving the outfield all this time. So I just got to tell you, Tony, I love you so much. I love your band so much. And there's few people you, who have done it. Yeah, there's few people who have ever done it as well as you guys have. And there's a consistency and quality throughout the entire catalog. And so just thank you for being you. And, th- and I'm so glad you're still out there. I hope I get to see you guys live one of these days. Thank you, Mike. You bet. There you have it, Tony Lewis. Out of the Darkness, his first ever solo album comes out this Friday. Check it out. I hope this conversation has reminded you as to what an excellent band the Outfield are and what a great, what great musicians Tony and John were. I'm going to be really quick about this because I'm talking over one of my favorite songs ever. It's called In Your Company, and it's off that 2011 album Replay. I love it so much. There is nothing better than a song written by John Spinks, sung by Tony Lewis, especially when it's this positive and beautiful. Listen to those words. I'm on top of the world. I'm so happy when I'm in your company. What is better than that? I love what they are able to do. We're going to play another song off that same album after this that I also love. It's called New York City. It's so good. Check out everything they do, please. Uh, Next week, I already said, next week's guest is Brian Nash from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. I hope you guys will check that out. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man for all that you do, buddy. I love you. We will talk to you all next Tuesday.
to sleep. 